Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. So today, by demand of the audience, I'm um, getting into some interviews. So this is my first interview and also it's going to be a political-based interview. So basically what I want to ask you, the audience, is your feedback. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get back in the role of doing interviews again, so we'll see how this, what you think of it. And then also, I want to get some feedback on guests that you would like to have on. So, I'll start inviting people on. Um, I'm gonna, like I said, interviews will be occasional. I don't know how often I'm gonna do them, but I'm still gonna do a lot of solo episodes. But it's gonna be a mix of both. I like to have my show as kind of like this a la carte of content options and content styles and stuff like that. So. Yeah, this is a new content style that I'm starting with with the new year and doing interviews. I'm going to do political stuff. I'm going to do um, kind of stuff about more consciousness-based and kind of the more kind of spirituality-based and also philosophically-based, all sorts of stuff that basically the interviews are going to relate to my solo content in in, in that sense of trying to like get you to think differently about the world, right? So today's guest is going to be... Ben Burgess, and he is a philosophy professor at Georgia State University, um, and he's the author of Give Them an Argument, Logic for the Left, and he's a regular weekly contributor to Jacobin Jacobin Magazine. I don't know if I just mispronounced that. Jacobin Magazine, and he does a regular weekly segment on the Michael Brooks show called The Debunk. So, yeah, he's he's all over the interwebs. You can find various debates, and I read his book, and you everyone should check it out, even if you are not on the left. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting just to consider his arguments and, you know, the base of the show is to think about the world, right? So, yeah, anyway, check that stuff out. Check him out. Check out the links below. I'll have linked up some stuff to his book and his Twitter and all that good stuff. But, anyway, I hope you enjoy the interview and, yeah, we will talk next time. Yeah, we can just kind of see where it goes. Like I said, I'm getting back into interviews, so we'll see how well <laughs> I keep the conversation going. Sure. Um, but yeah, I guess let's just start with kind of what inspired you to, I don't know, I guess the best way to phrase it is start making arguments for the left um, mm-hmm. from a philosophical lens, because that's kind of why I brought you on is because my audience has kind of wanted me to get into the political side of things. So I've been kind of looking for various people that look to focus on the philosophical lens of the political issues. And that's when I stumbled upon your book and some of your debates on YouTube. So yeah, kind of what uh, your motivation is and then also kind of what the style is and the importance of it. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, the uh, political interests and um, and philosophy we're always for the most part on, uh, separate tracks. So, um, I, I mean, I was, I certainly had, you know, roughly the political commitments that I have, uh, before, you know, I had any thought of like going to graduate school or anything like that. Um, but I, I didn't, um, when I did do all those things, you know, I, I didn't primarily, focus on, um, on political philosophy, you know, was doing like very 
abstract kind of logic choppy, you know, analytic philosophy stuff. Right. Um, and, um, you know, so like my, my dissertation was about, um, uh, logic and the liar paradox. Um, and then, uh, but I, I had been for, for kind of a few years, um, sort of, uh, drifting back in, in the direction of, of wanting to be more, um, uh, of, you know, of, of wanting to, uh, you know, to be more involved in, you know, things, everything that was, you know, had been going on sort of probably, you know, probably from, from about Occupy Wall Street to, um, especially, you know, that's, that's kind of when I've sort of started feeling that itch more, you know, to, um, like a lot of people, the uh, Sanders campaign in 2016, you know, energized me a lot. And I joined the um, the DSA then um, and, you know, was very active in that. Uh, but then kind of combining the two streams, uh, you know, because like you can find, you know, like you can still find some articles that I wrote for Counterpunch on um, uh, political topics from like 2015, 2016 online. And, you know, I, I, I really wasn't, um, you know, and I, I really wasn't relating very much of what I was, I was doing at that point to philosophical arguments or anything like that. Uh, so, so really, com, you know, combining the two is mostly, uh, kind of happenstance. So I'd, I'd been, um, I'd been writing, uh, well, a book that's sort of loosely based on my dissertation called uh, logic without gaps or gluts, how to solve the paradox without sacrificing classical logic. And I've been posting about it a lot online and my friend Doug Lane, who um, edits zero books, I think, cause he saw me post about that all the time. You know, it was like, I wrote a little bit more of the logic book today, whatever. Uh, then he kind of asks like, Hey, would you be interested in writing something for, for us? And, um, you know, like maybe about like logic and, and politics. And I didn't really see what he meant at first, but then like the more I kind of wrap my mind around that, you know, the more excited I got about it. Uh, and, and then like, uh, actually it, it seemed to me since then that there's a real, um, uh, unfilled niche there that like, that like, there's a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are really uh, like there's a there's a kind of hunger for for sort of like really like intellectually substantive arguments about right. this stuff. Um, and and certainly certainly a lot of people on the left having been told for so long that, you know, they're um, that uh, that they well, you know, that like by uh, by a certain kind of right winger, certainly that. uh that, you know, that they're just like sort of soft headed and guided by their feelings, you know, uh, right, yeah. you know, like there's, there's, there's certainly like, there's certainly a lot of people who, who enjoy the idea of actually like being able to show is like, no, you're actually like, you know, um, you're actually wrong on the arguments and here's why. And, you know, mm -hmm. being able to kind of play that game. Um, but like, I think there's also more generally, uh, a lot of interest in, in more sort of, intellectual substance to political arguments. I, I think that's, that's kind of where, um, you know, some of the people that like I've, I've spent, um, you know, that I've, I've like even some of the right wing figures have spent the most time arguing against. Uh, I think that's where part of, part of the, uh, 
you know, the appeal comes from like, like somebody like, um, uh, you know, like somebody like Jordan Peterson. I think one of the reasons that he's like hyper popular, uh, is that people have a sense that he's like, uh, that he's not just, you know, even when he's, you know, ranting about pronouns or whatever, that like, he's got a sense that he's got a perspective that's like rooted and like having, thought really deeply about like big issues about, you know, existential meaning and things like that. And, you know, and, and people want that. And if, uh, you know, and if they can't, um, you know, if they can't get it from, from the left, they're, they're going to get it from, you know, elsewhere in the, in the political spectrum, you know, I guess it's like, uh, uh, you know, I guess it's like the sort of old fat, like kind of 1950s argument for sex ed, you know, if they don't get it in school, they'll learn it on the streets. Right. 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 That's actually a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think Jordan Peterson actually tapped into something where cuz like he kind of attracts a very even I would even say like a centrist left base mm-hmm. as well. And it's kind of interesting it's like he does give off that persona like where even if people disagree with him for example, he still like the, like like you said, they like see this appearance that he's thought really deeply about it, so they're going to like tune in anyway and it gives yeah. them that kind of I don't know what the word is, like it's academic uh, feel to it like they're they're learning something which like I said people can disagree with Jordan Peterson but he's we can at least observe what he's mm-hmm. tapping into and I think branching off of that there's other various niches that people can fill which I think you've kind of started to fill as well for uh, the left and kind of like what I want to bring it into because you brought it up for example Ben, ben Shapiro he talks about yeah. where the right has the the facts on their side and all that, and the left makes emotional arguments. So I guess let's bring this into play. Uh, Devil's advocate to raise the question: Does sure. the left make more emotional arguments? Like, what are what's like a synopsis of some arguments that the left can make against the right, against people like Ben Shapiro, who phrase it that way as though they're the fact king? And then you have all those videos of Ben Shapiro taking down some innocent freshman in college. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I, I mean, this is why the, uh, the, the cover image on the, on the book drawn by my friend, um, Ryan Lake, who, who does the, uh, philosophy web, web comic chaos pet, uh, is of, um, Ben Shapiro starting to say facts don't care about your feelings and being hushed by David Hume, uh, who, uh, who talks, uh, uh, you know, and there's a you know, and it's funny, you know, there's there's a there's a deeper point there, which is that all uh, moral and political arguments ultimately rely on some sort of appeal to what Hume would call the the moral sentiments, right? You know that uh, that you can't uh, that um, that the facts, right? Like, I mean, if I mean, I don't necessarily want to get into the you know meta ethics whether they're moral facts whatever not that you know that's not interesting but i think it's a different right. discussion right yeah right uh but the the facts you know the non-moral facts right presumably what we're talking about right you know the empirical facts um you know can uh, can tell us how to um can be very relevant to arguments about how to achieve the goals that we care about right you know that um factual information can certainly do that, right? You know, that we can, you know, we can see what's worked and what hasn't worked and everything, but it can't tell us, 
it can't tell us what uh, what we should care about in the first place, mm-hmm. right? You know that so that's that's what um, you know. This is this is Hume's point uh, about the the fact uh, value gap that we that you know it, it can't like there's no way to there's no way to go from um, from here are a bunch of scientific facts to here are the things that we should we should value, you know, we, um, and so, so like, for example, in, um, in Shapiro's case, if you watch, there's a classic, uh, or kind of an instant classic interview with him from last year from, uh, the BBC when he was promoting his new book, um, the right side of history, how reason and moral purpose made the West, uh, great, I think is the uh, subtitle. Yeah. And, uh, he was being interviewed by, um, Andrew Neal, who is actually like a um, like is actually like extremely conservative. He's like a really like old fashioned kind of like aristocratic high Tory, you know. But um, but he's also a BBC interviewer, so he you know he doesn't ask softball questions. Mm-hmm. And um, and and Shapiro ended up getting you know really upset about the whole thing. But like there's a point in there where where Neil is asking him about these. Um, really harsh new anti-abortion laws that were passed in Georgia. Um, and, uh, and ask him to defend those. And Shapiro sort of said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's science, right. You know, that the, uh, that, you know, human life, you know, begins at, uh, at conception. And of course, in a certain sense, that's true, right. You know, that they, that if, if we're strict, if we strictly mean, you know, like if, if we're not using human life as a stand in for some concept like personhood or moral rights. Right. But like mm-hmm. we literally just mean human life, then sure. That's actually totally uncontroversial. Right. Nobody. Right. Right. Literally nobody denies that. It's not like people have pro-choice positions because they think that, um, you know, fetuses start out having raccoon DNA and then they only gradually start to have human DNA. Right. That, right. Of course, that's something that's 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 checks the biological boxes for life and is genetically human and all that stuff. But the real question is a value question or really a whole cluster of value questions. Like, uh, is, uh, do we, um, do we think that anything that's alive and genetically human has light has value because of that? Do we only think that, you know, that things have, have value, have this moral value because, because they're persons, uh, do we, even if we do think that a fetus has, uh, you know, has some sort of moral value that would give it a, a um, you know, at least a prima facie right to life, then, um, then how is, how is that weighed against, you know, woman's, uh, you know, moral right to bodily autonomy, right? You know, and, and none of those questions does science say, say anything about, right? You know, like right. those, those are just, you know, those, those aren't empirical questions, um, and, and so I, I'd say that, um, that you can't, if you don't have, um, you know, in order to, uh, success is, you know, like, you know, in order to figure out how to implement, um, the, uh, the moral and political goals that you care about, right. You know, you certainly, uh, you certainly need to, to appeal to facts, but if, um, but you just wouldn't be in the business of making moral and political arguments in the first place if there weren't feelings that were ultimately driving it. And that's going to be just as true. That's just going to be, that's going to be just as true on all sides. And actually, even though people like that use these phrases like logic, facts and reason, you know, almost as like, uh, you know, incantations, um, 
you know, it is a principle of good reasoning, right? You know, that you can't, uh, you can't get, um, you can't get an ought conclusion from pure is premises. Um, so, so I, I think that the, I think that that's, that's all a way of saying like, yeah, go ahead, you know, don't, you know, don't feel bad about, uh, don't feel bad about like caring about, uh, you know, caring about moral principles. Cause if you didn't, you just, you just wouldn't be, you just wouldn't be in the business of arguing about this stuff in the first place. Both sides care about moral principles. They just disagree about the moral principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and there's certainly, there's certainly cases where you can say that there's a, uh, that, you know, people, you know, leftists, uh, leftists are, you know, making, you know, like that there's some like common leftist argument that's a bad argument or, you know, that like, I, I'm, I'm even fine with saying that, um, uh, that there are cases in which, uh, you know, you people will come to certain conclusions because they're, you know, they can't sort of calm down in the moment, right. To right. sort of think through what they're saying, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that the the right way to do this is to um, is to retreat from moral sentiment, retreat from like feel you know f- you know from from feelings as as the sort of guiding principles because you can't because if you you know there there is no you know it's not that that would lead you towards the ideal moral and political conclusions that just wouldn't lead you towards any moral or political conclusions at all. Yeah, because it's like the right uh, kind of like like you said they use the terms commonly Ben Shapiro crowd especially they use the terms like logic and facts and all this stuff and they use that as almost like a placeholder as an argument as though like saying those words is like all of a sudden becomes their argument yeah and then yeah and then they kind of also which i which i agree with you is the right seems to still believe and, and luckily i think as like a culture uh, yeah. people are starting to accept this a little bit more just because you know i guess scientific information has come come out and the role that people realize in emotions and cognitive biases play with us, for example, we're starting to realize that our reason isn't this kind of perfect thing. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like you can just reason your way perfectly. You have no outside influences. You can just look at the facts and interpret exactly what you're supposed to, all this type of stuff. And I think people are finally starting to accept that. And the, and the right, I feel like, needs to accept that because, like you said, feelings and reason are are constantly intermixing and we we can't extract pure feelings and we also can't just extract with just pure reason and i think that's like an an important distinction um so yeah like to kind of relate it back to like what you're trying to say i want to get into because the the value idea Mm -hmm. and the moral facts idea and and let's like kind of let's try to make it on the political side of things because i think it's kind of like the easiest to digest for people in the sense that do you think the left and the right and even the center, I guess you could say, there's a lot of groupings we can, we can discuss. Do they share similar values? Because I know that's like a, it's, it's a very – it's become in the kind of Jordan Peterson world of kind of mainstream academic stuff, the discussion of these kind of do we share – values whether the not that not we don't even need to get into discussion of like objective and subjective just do we share values to some extent yeah i mean to some extent certainly um but i also think that it's is often the case that um that one of that there's 
that there seems to be more agreement on the value questions like kind of on first glance than there is when you really start to, to dig into it. And, um, and in fact, I think what a lot of, uh, what a lot of political persuasion is, is, uh, is persuading people that like when you, um, when you kind of take a second look, uh, there's, you know, these, these two things that like seem like they maybe amount to the same thing, right? Really don't. And, um, and, and once we sort of pry them apart, you see that like, no, like, uh, well, I mean, just to, to, you know, I don't want this to be too abstract to like have a, have a specific example, um, like, uh, something nearly everybody would say that they value freedom, right? That would be very like, um, that would be very odd and surprising. You know, if somebody said they didn't care about that. Right. Uh, and, uh, and you know, wouldn't. But then when you sort of look into like what like a hardcore libertarian really means when they throw around, you know, the, this word freedom, um, it's it's something very narrow and specific that, you know, that has a lot to do with property rights. Uh, so uh, if, uh, you know, if you like, 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 you know, like if uh, – if you know if the government is uh, is well actually so so here's a here's a really like really concrete example right so um, I remember reading Rick Perlstein's book uh, he's a historian who talks about the rise of um, American uh, the sort of modern conservative movement and through uh, he's got a book about the uh, Barry Goldwater campaign called Before the Storm and. Um, and uh, one called Nixon Land, and um, and one called The Invisible Bridge, The Fall of Nixon, The Rise of Reagan. Anyway, it was one of those three books. Uh, they're all jumping <laughs> together for me. Uh, he, I understand uh, that. <laughs> uh, he uh, he quotes an observer, and you know, like 1964, talking about how like civil rights protesters and Goldwaterites, uh, you know, both constantly invoked this word freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but then, like, you know, what they meant by it was really almost the opposite, right? Like, because because uh, for the like, um, you know, the Goldwater people were opposed to the Civil Rights Act of 1964 for the same reason that um, that uh, Rand Paul uh, said, you know, a few years ago that you know that he he would have been against it, which is that it violates the property rights of, of business owners that if you, you know, that if the government is coercively coming in and saying that you have to take that whites only sign out of the restaurant window, uh, mm-hmm. then, you know, then that's, that's violated their freedom. Whereas what the civil rights protesters meant by freedom was like the sort of ability of, you know, black Americans to, you know, to sort of navigate their way through the sort of normal, um, you know, the sort of, uh, sort of life in America without, you know, without encountering race-based obstacles, right? You know, so, uh, so from that perspective, uh, freedom, you know, was was definitely enhanced by, you know, by telling restaurant owners that they weren't allowed to have whites-only signs in the window, um, and and that's and that's say so. I think that uh, so I think in that case, there's certainly some some overlap with you know, and and that's and that you know, even though that example. You know, there are relatively few people now, other than Rand Paul, I guess, who would still defend the Goldwater position. But, um, 
but I think there are a lot of examples that kind of parallel that, right? That, uh, that so like we, all right, everybody values freedom and maybe we mean some of the same things by it, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think, uh, but I think we, there's a important sense in which different conceptions of it really come apart and, and really people who are, pers- you know, who might sort of find the libertarian conception appealing and who, who are persuadable, right. Which not everybody is, of course, uh, probably one of the most, you know, one of, um, the ways which they can be persuaded is realizing that the conception of freedom that all this is premised on isn't really the one that they care about on reflection. Hmm. Yeah. So to kind of like extend off that and maybe play slightly devil's advocate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, so I guess, I guess maybe the best way to make the distinction is cause like libertarians, for example, are mm-hmm. very into kind of the freedom to, and then mm-hmm. where, you know, let, let's say, someone more on the left would be the, like freedom from, right? It's kind of like that distinction. And, or maybe the other way around. Or yeah, sorry, the other way around. Yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Anyway, so like <laughs> the other way yeah, around. I got you. Yeah. Um, but you, you get what I mean. So from that, at the end of the day, like we can, we can like agree that those yeah. are like different means to achieve yeah. freedom, for example. But mm-hmm. like, let's say, let's say like the end goal, like the value I'm trying to like think of an example off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. let's say, let's say like the freedom ends up creating, they both kind of agree that that freedom that they envision ends up creating a more, let's just say kind of abstract, but let's kind of go with it, a more yeah. just society where, uh-huh. or it creates more prosperity and people end up having better outcomes, that type of thing. So do you think uh-huh. that that would end up creating this, more similar values and you i guess do you think that is an, an important distinction to make because my, my overall like purpose for create like making this devil's advocate position is yeah. i do think there is something to this idea that whether we disagree on certain values or ways to achieve certain values uh i think it does say something that we agree as like humans to some extent mm-hmm. that we have similar values. And I think that might say something. So kind of what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so I'm sh- well, I mean, I'm sure that we do. Um, there are going to be some things that, um, that we all, that we all agree on. And, um, and maybe there, you know, maybe like when you sort of get down to this, you know, um, well, justice is an interesting example, right? Cause like where, where my mind immediately goes when I hear that is like, um, uh, the sort of like the, the automatic, like a uh, word association game, like right. completion of the sentence is justice as fairness. Right. You know, so that's mm-hmm. a, uh, uh, that's certainly something that wouldn't be in the overlap, but like maybe there's some like underlying conception of justice that's so like abstract that um that there really is no there, there really is no disagreement on it right we're only having disagreements about what um what would like constitute you know justice in that sense not about mm-hmm. like not about justice itself um sort of the way that uh, some people think that uh, like uh Okay, this this is uh, I'm not going to dwell on this example because this is like super duper abstract. But like you know, in uh, people who who are um, 
pluralists about truth, you know, think there are like different senses in which, you know, like that, uh, maybe in different like domains of like reasoning, you know, there are different things that, you know, truth is correspondence to reality in some, or, you know, something else mm-hmm. in others or whatever, but they'll still often say that there's some like sort of overall notion, right. Of right. Truth that all these things count as examples of, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not like, I, I don't know that I have a view one way or the other about whether that's true for, for something like a uh, final conception of justice. But, I am a little skeptical about how much it's going to matter politically um, because I, I think that um, – in fact, I, I, I know I'm in sort of a weird position here because because uh, I'm, I'm the – I'm sort of telling um, – you know, telling my, uh, you know, friends and comrades on the left to, uh, you know, to sort of care more about getting the reasoning right. 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 But at the same time, in a big picture sense, I don't really accept this idea that like, we're all trying to like go the same place and we're just like, you know, we're just like, um, have different ideas about, you know, how to, how to, how to get there. Right. You know, that it's, mm-hmm. that it's like, it's, it's all ultimately just a matter of, um, of people who, you know, who want, you know, broadly want the same things. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but, but, but don't, um, you know, but don't agree about how to get there. I think that, uh, some political, some political arguments are like that. Right. You know, uh, like if, if I, uh, well, I mean, I, you know, like, uh, you know, like if, you know, like if people are, I don't know, this, this is all, I feel like this is already a slightly dated example, you know, uh, but, uh, but like a, I feel like a couple of years ago, I was seeing a lot of people who like broadly agreed on a lot of the same policy goals, having arguments about like uh, a federal jobs guarantee versus a universal basic income, right? You know, that was a big, um, that was a big, big debate that was, that was happening then. And, um, I don't know, I think maybe, uh, I think maybe a lot of those people, the, uh, the UBI was soured a little bit by its association with, uh, uh, the Yang gang and all that. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but like, but in that case, right. In that sort of debate, right. Like, or like, um, or like, okay, here's another one, right. Like where I think that it really is like that. Like, and, um, like there's a like if you look at the sort of uh, the sort of debate between like somebody like Adolf Reed on the one hand and somebody like Ta-Nehisi Coates on the other about um, reparations, uh, you know whether sort of uh, the way the best way to close the racial wealth gap is with like targeted race specific reparations or whether um, you know. The, or whether like the best way is to build a much broader coalition that you can build around like universal social democratic programs that will in turn disproportionately benefit the people who are who are the worst off right now, you know, who are the same people who would be getting the reparations, right? Like that's that that's a debate where I think that like both sides of it really do want the same things. And, you know, for the most, you know, there, there might be some like different values playing some role in the debate, but I think broadly speaking, right, they really want the same things and they're, and they're arguing about how to, how to get there, how best to realize that, uh, the same kind of egalitarian, you know, vision. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't believe that the sort of broader debate, uh, 
between like, um, you know, between say conservatives and libertarians, you know, on the one, on the one end and, um, and, you know, leftists like, you know, social Democrats and socialists on the other, uh, about, you know, economic inequality say, right. You know, I, I don't, I don't believe that that's, that's like that. Right. I, th- I think that that's, I think that that's a matter of, of, a, of a really, uh, deep divergence in values, which, which I think has a lot to do with divergence, um, divergence in material interests, you know, that, that people who, that, you know, that there's, that, uh, you know, people who benefit, and you know, that's that's actually, in a way, saying that like, you know, that that does, you know, all right. So like, even if there's some divergence of material interest at the base of the whole thing, that it goes through that difference in values, is in a way like giving people their due, right? You know, because I'm, I'm not saying that you know that anybody's like consciously malevolent or anything like that, you know. But like, right. I, I do, think, I do think that um, that people who who benefit from systems. Um, are, um, you know, will very, and this goes back to a lot of the cognitive biases and everything you were talking about earlier, right. You know, like are, are going to, are going to be very good at convincing themselves that this mm-hmm. is how things should be. And of course, uh, they're not just going to be good at convincing themselves of that. They're also going to be good at convincing a lot of other people about that because they need to, because otherwise, you know, if, uh, uh, you know, no system can survive without, um, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is Hume's paradox, right? The, uh, that, uh, you know, how is it that like, so, you know, like in, in all countries, right, relatively few people can rule over so many, right? You know, that mm-hmm. if, if, or, you know, it's the starting point for like Gramsci too, right? You know, that if like, you know, if, if most people like don't on some level accept the legitimacy right. of the way things are, then things aren't going to be that way for very long, right? You know, if, if you don't like, if, if if most serfs don't accept feudalism as like God's will or whatever, you know, then, then, then you're not going to have feudalism for very long because they, they're not going to put up with it. It's like uh, that, it's like that old stat. I don't know what they used to say. It's like 7% of the population is all that needs to basically be upset with the way the system's going to really yeah. get something going and change the system. Uh, yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to have overwhelming, like, uh, yeah, like at any at any given time, right? You know, it's 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 you know you're going to have an overwhelming number of people who, even if they have mixed feelings or complicated attitudes, or is that like basically accept that like it's okay, or even the stuff that's not okay, it's like uh, it's something like a, it's like uh, it's like complaining about the weather, you know, like mm-hmm. this is just the way things are. Yeah, and so like to kind of somewhat stick to the the values idea, and. This isn't even necessarily like devil's advocate, but, but, uh, I wanted to like kind of bring it into, because I think groupings play an interesting role in this like idea around values where people, I I think we can easily agree. And and I think most people will agree that the political discussions and policy for, let's just say like policy, for example, various policy positions, it's very complex. There's a lot of data being gathered. We have, we live in a society that's, they value data a lot. Like people want to base their reasoning on some sort of data, not saying that they do, <laughs> but, and not, and not they saying it's like idea. always the best case. Cause like, like we, I think we can agree philosophically. We want to understand what our goals are, our tensions yeah. are, our values are right. Yeah. But to like branch off of that, I think people do 
group themselves into various and, and politics is just the easy one because it's the one people are most active in in general huh. and people like to associate themselves with a, a certain group and i think they immediately that creates this cognitive bias but like this is where maybe the devil's advocates coming in is i think within those groups that maybe sometimes and, and this is not all the time because I, I think i do agree with you to some extent where there is agreement there on values but there's something about the political groupings and those and those titles that people like to use because it's 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 simplified, it's nice and packaged for them, it's easily it's more easily digestible, and then all of a sudden they they see these separations where they don't always exist. And I, and I think one example maybe we can get into, uh, let's say like libertarians for example, because yeah. libertarians, you know, there's a lot of them on the right, but there's also some very kind of left leaning libertarians. In the and and I think the easy example and we'll, I'll might bring up another one too. We'll see where this one goes, but I think the idea of justice, for example, in in the criminal justice system, I think that libertarians and the left agree on a lot, and that's just like one policy example, one kind of value example, because they see this idea of justice around like the government shouldn't be throwing people in prison for nonviolent crimes, for example, and mm-hmm. I think there's a, a similar value there. And then like branching off of that using libertarians again, because I think sometimes libertarians are this kind of like nice little, I don't want to call them like in the center, but they kind of mm-hmm. have this ability to play both sides on certain issues, certain mm-hmm. issues being a key point. So, yeah. and one example is one bringing up the left libertarians, I think they would see income inequality as an issue where they would see, for example, corporations as these corrupt entities that the left would very much agree with. And I think a lot of left libertarians would agree with. And to me, like there's my overall point is with, even within Mm. these groups, these kind of oversimplified groups, you have Marxists, you have progressives, you have like a centrist left, you have conservative, you have libertarians, left libertarians within those groups. When we get down to it, I think a lot of it maybe is the fact that we try to oversimplify it and it creates these appearances of value divides when really when we get like down into the individual issues, there it there might be more agreement there on various values. Not to say all of them, but there's more mm-hmm. agreement there than maybe we realize. So maybe what do you think about that idea? Yeah, um, sure. So – it's certainly going to be true for uh, the most like um, – well, I mean I guess libertarians is, is an interesting example too because there's a – you know, we, we want to make also probably a distinction there um, between uh, the most sort of hardcore um, – like relatively internally consistent, like extremely ideological libertarians and uh, which I think there, there really aren't very many of and what there are a lot more of, which are, um, you know, the sort of like pollster category libertarians, mm-hmm. right. You know, who yeah. um, like that sort of, um, you know, like what they, you know, like there's this like like you know some like mainstream Republican politicians will say I've got a libertarian streak or whatever, right? You know they have a, and like, you know there's the sort of there are people who, um, and there are lot you know there are lots of people who are maybe in that sort of uh, well, 
don't know, a lot, but, you know, certainly relatively speaking, right? You know, that mm-hmm. like a, who might sort of fit into that broad like set of policy preferences and be um, uh, and 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 the reason I, I think it's important to make that distinction in this case is that like I think you're sort of like um, a relatively ordinary person, like libertarian in the in the pollster category sense you know, kind of person is often less likely to, uh, uh, to, to have those sort of, um, you know, those, those better, you know, positions like, like, okay. So like, for example, uh, people who are like really like strict, uh, like, you know, people who are like, you're really like sort of, they've, they've read their Murray Rothbard, um, uh, you know, books, you know, cover to cover multiple times, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like really like, um, like really into it, relatively consistent libertarians uh, are are tend to be like very um, are like very very anti-war, right? So that's like a that's like a definite point of commonality they have uh, with uh, with leftists. Uh, but but I think a, lo- a lot of people who are sort of like you know libertarians in in the more common sense, uh, you know, don't necessarily you know. Don't necessarily have that view, uh, which 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 says something interesting, which I I, I think might just be that um, that like people who are like really like ideologues uh, of any, of any kind, right, are relatively rare. Um, you know, I mean, and, and like I'm that's not a that's not a diss on libertarian. And some of the libertarians, you know, I'm 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 one too, right? You know, like I have a like right. you know, um, and and most. Uh, and I think people who aren't uh, people who aren't like uh, don't get their politics from like reading and thinking about books, you know, in the way that like um, the really consistent libertarians do uh, tend to gravitate more towards sort of conservatism light. Right. You know, cause I, th- yeah. I think that's the, you know, that's, and there's a reason that I think there's more of a, uh, constituency for that because even if it's maybe less ideologically consistent, uh, it's more sort of coheres with the self-interests of, you know, of a certain kind of segment of the population, you know, maybe like you're sort of, you know, person who might be a small business owner or at least dreams of becoming one. Right. You mm-hmm. know, um, <clears throat> whereas, uh, whereas the, uh, the really cons- you know, like, if it's if you're just sort of like really trying to like take these like abstract ideological axioms and see what you know see what comes of them, then like you know whatever that's great. Sometimes really good stuff comes from them, right? You know that there's that as you know your example, right? That they, that um, that they're very against mass incarceration and you know and and uh, and you know anti-war and all this stuff and and that's great, right? Like and you know and you should definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm all for, and you know, like, uh, the more, you know, the more people, uh, with, with different perspectives who are, you know, who are on those pages, the more likely it is, you know, that, uh, that we'll be able to, we'll be able to do something about them. Um, but I also, I also don't know that it's really that helpful to say whether it's really a matter of like saying that like, oh, 
you know, we're blindsided by these sort of political identities that, you know, once, once you really get down to, to issues, we have more in common. Like, I think that's, that's true in some ways. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's also, um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, like, I, I guess, uh, I mean, I think that there, there is definitely, uh, there is definitely some, some truth to that, right. That people will sort of like, you know, tribally identify with, um, with some, um, with like their team in a way that will lead them to, uh, to really disregard what they would otherwise think, you know, about specific issues. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, I mean, well, I mean like, like, uh, uh, you know, Democrats, you know, who are, who are outraged about civil liberties during the Bush administration and kind of gave it a pass during the Obama administration. And then, you know, maybe now we're sort of back to caring about that and, uh, right. uh, or, um, you know, uh, or Republicans who, uh, you know, who, who were all, um, you know, who were all about the, uh, rhetoric of, you know, um, well, who are all about uh, fear mongering about Russia, you know, right up until, you know, right up until it became the part of the line of it, you know, switch. So, I, I mean, I certainly think I certainly think that that those things um, that those things happen. But I also don't necessarily think that, like, if we could all just stop having group identities and like sort of evaluate everything a la carte. Right. Mm -hmm. That that would necessarily make us, um, you know, smarter or better about this stuff, because I actually I actually do think that there's a sort of, uh, you know, that there's a through line. Right. You know, through like um, uh, through the both the sort of economic uh, positions that leftists typically uh, care about and also the sort of. Um, you know, social liberalism that usually goes with that. Right. I don't think, I don't think that's just historically contingent or anything. Right. You know, I think, I think those things are, are, are really deeply related. Uh, so, so I, I guess, uh, you know, so I, I, I guess I'd, I'd prefer, um, you know, I guess I'd prefer for, uh, uh, you know, in, in, you know, like this, uh, for people on, on, on my, uh, who see things my way to, to continue, you know, to, uh, to yeah. see those things as related. And I prefer for, uh, I prefer for more conservatives to, uh, to care less about team identity and, you know, and, and start, <laughs> and start evaluating things one at a time more. Yeah. And, and like the reason I brought this up is because, and this, this is going to, this is going to be an anecdotal example. And maybe this is why yeah. I'm like fascinated with this, this idea is because like for me, I don't like really associate with political terms anymore. Um, talking about politics here today, I, it's kind of like yeah. a new thing I'm trying just based on audience demand. But yeah. the reason I like brought it up is because so like to kind of backtrack what I like used to see and I used to be definitely involved in this because my first kind of intro into philosophy was political philosophy because I wanted to use it to like basically argue for political positions. Mm -hmm. And I like associated with like a, you know, a term. And then all of a sudden you start, you having discussions and, and like 
and the and the reason I find it, and maybe we we disagree a little bit, but I don't know. We can always find truth and agreement here. But the people that are basically out having these discussions, like let's say let's say me and you even, or let's say debates on YouTube. Not saying like that's what people are getting all their mm. political information from. But the people that are like actively trying to discuss this stuff on a mainstream level, they typically associate with these terms. And uh-huh. what I like started noticing was, and I was doing this too. This is why, like I said, I'm going to use like my anecdotal example. But people start like having a discussion in almost like a separate reality is the way I like look at it, where – you know, they start debating about what real socialism is, what real uh-huh. libertarianism is, real conservatism, real Marxism. Uh-huh. And they don't really – and not that I want debates to really like focus on the terms all the time because that gets really boring and talking about semantics uh-huh. the whole time is not a discussion everyone wants to listen to. But to some extent it does matter because then they do just start talking past each other and they do just start having – and I'm like, I'm all for having abstract conversations, but they do end up just talking about these really like kind of abstract ideas of like utopias, political utopias that they want to achieve and they want to live in, they want to have. But yet when you get down to it, it's like it becomes these groupings again where they're really just like talking past each other about whatever group that they want to have envisioned. And like the reason I, I brought this up is because I was doing that, and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, cognitive bias is definitely influencing me. It's definitely blocking me for information. I'm going towards my own echo chamber. I realize that I'm holding these political positions because it's kind of nice. Like you start, you start believing, like once you start associating with a group, you start taking in their ideas, you start consuming their, their readings and their information. All of a sudden you're like, wow, I have the truth of the world. You know, I hold the truth. Like, it's like you start having like this beacon of light that I hold it and now it's my job to persuade other people. Uh. But then I didn't realize is like, okay, now I don't want that truth to go away. I don't want the the idea that my truth might be might be wrong. I might hold wrong information. I might not have it all figured out the way government should be formed. I might not have the best ideas of what justice is. Mm. Those type of things... I started realizing those and then that's when what became really appealing is actually this a la carte idea where, you know what? I don't know shit. I don't, there's a lot that I need to learn. There's a lot that I want to discuss and figure out. And I'm not saying like everyone is going to go do this because it's just not the reality, but within the discourse, within the people having the discussions, I do possibly find interesting because these are the people that are interested in it. People like yourself that may be going away from those terms under and choosing the more a la carte route almost, maybe we do start seeing those values actually do align and we start having the discussion about things such as like a policy, like, you know, what should the minimum wage be? What should foreign policy be? What should the tax system be? How should we fix income inequality? Those type of things. So like that's, I guess those are my thoughts on that. And like, maybe do you see, like I said, I know I'm an anecdotal example, but I do think there's something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, uh, the way that I would like, I would maybe, uh, push back against that a little bit is to, you know, is to think, um, 
All right. Like I, I understand, you know, that like when you're hearing people argue about like, um, you know, what's real socialism, you know, what's real libertarianism or whatever, right? You know that you know it's like that, um, you know, it's it's very like arguing about words is very tedious. You know, you want to, um, you know, I think there's a very healthy instinct to sort of say let's let's you know. Let's not worry about the words. Let's argue about, you know, it's like we're arguing about the underlying ideas, right? Like um, uh, Derek Parfit uh, has a, you know, has a nice thing about this. And uh, he's not talking about politics, but it's certainly applicable uh, in his paper, The um, Unimportance of Personal Identity, you know, and he talks about like two different senses in which you could um, ask whether something, you know, whether you're going to be in pain under certain circumstances, there's uh, he talks about somebody who, um, who's about to undergo a medical procedure, and they they don't you know they've never they've never had to do this before, and they say you know will there be pain, and then uh, you know will I be in pain, and then he talks about somebody who um, is uh, who's about to go on a sea voyage, and they always get seasick every time, right? but they're interested in like whether seasickness counts as a kind of pain. Right. Right. And they say, you know, they say, uh, well, will I be in pain? Right. You know, and he sort of says, well, you know, we might use the same words, but like we're having two very different kinds of like, those are two very different kinds of questions. Right. You know, mm-hmm. one case, you know, perfectly well what's going to happen. Right. You're just wondering how to classify it. Right. And, and the other you're, you're arguing about, you're asking about what, is going to happen. And it says that those, you know, those sort of higher order questions about like how to classify things only matter if the, if the sort of lower order thing underlying it matters, right. You know, like mm-hmm. it only matters, um, you know, like, uh, the fact that like, if you decide seasickness counts as pain, right. You know, that'll, you know, you only have a reason to avoid, that pain, you'll gain a new reason to avoid pain, right? You know, like you have just right. as much reason as you had before to uh, to avoid the seasickness, uh, and so so and you know and and I and I, I don't feel that right. Like I, I sort of feel like you know if uh, you know we we should like rather than you know like rather than counting you know arguing about whether some particular way we could organize things would count as really real socialism. You know, if we could just like argue about like whether it would be better, you know, than what we have now. And if so, whether we can, whether we can improve on that. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and and that, that makes sense. Uh, but I also think that there are, um, you know, if you're going to try to sort of reason about, uh, about this stuff, it helps to have, you know, like, pretty general, you know, pretty general goals that you care about, right? Sort of pretty general principles. Um, you know, so you're, you're not just sort of, uh, doing things in that hoc way. And, and I think that there's something, um, like to sort of a way of kind of feeling the force of the other side of this, of saying, no, like, uh, it's good to, it's good to be pretty consistent, you know, issue by issue is sort of thinking about the way, that a lot of the um, a lot of like mainstream media kind of discourse really valorizes uh, you know unpredictability, right? You know, being a maverick, whatever. You know, like so if uh, uh, like if you uh, you know like like you want to have 
you know, like if, if you want to get, you know, if you want to get your hot take piece published in salon or Vox or whatever, and you say like, you know, I'm a lifelong, you know, progressive liberal and I can't stand Trump, then like, you know, you're, that's not going to get published, but it's say, you know, right. I'm a lifelong Republican and, you know, and I was the chair of the county Republican party and I can't stand Trump that they'll publish. Right. You know, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. You know, cause, cause it's, cause it's interesting, right. You know, cause it's unpredictable. Um, and there's a great, uh, you know, there's, there's a great, um, Christopher Hitchens, uh, quote I've always loved from, from the, well, from before he became a case in point of this, right. You know, but, uh, from, uh, an essay called blunt instruments that he wrote in the eighties where he says, uh, that, uh, that there's a sort of, that in the charm circles of neoliberal neoconservative journalism, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's really, they really put a lot of premium on saying, you know, um, like, you know, be able to say, well, you know, I'm a lifelong liberal, but I say, let's bomb the hell out of them. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but he, he really sort of, cast derision on the idea that this is some sort of like point in your favor. Right. He says, if, if I, um, uh, you know, if, if my, um, you know, if, if I didn't, uh, you know, if I didn't respond, you know, like all the topics that I write about, right. You know, like I want to of course think that I have original and interesting arguments, but I'd actually be alarmed. Right. If somebody didn't basically know what I was going to see, you know, what, Right. What, uh, what position I was going to take. Right. If, if I was, uh, you know, if my, um, you know, like if, if, if my knee didn't respond to a certain stimuli from, you know, from the doctor, you know, um, doing a test, I would be alarmed, you know, it's speak of a loss of nerve, you know, that like this, that it's, it's, it's good. You know, there's a reason why we admire, um, consistency and principles and, and it seems it's, it's not, um, it's not like at the very, you know, and it seems like the primary reason that there's this sort of media admiration for, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, he's an X, but he says Y, right? Is yeah, mostly that it is mostly that it it moves eyeballs, it gets clicks, you know. That's mm-hmm. uh, um, and and there's, there's something, you know, there's, there's something I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not crazy about, you know, um about you know about that so so i i do think there's something to be said for the uh uh the consistent principles which is not to say that i disagree with you that it gets like really boring really fast you know hearing people argue about whether you know whether x counts as real yism rather than just like you know rather than just arguing about whether x is a good idea right yeah and 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 like the maybe like the I don't know how to phrase it, but like what I find kind of interesting as well is like is my motivation, I guess, for for kind of thinking that maybe groups are an issue to some extent. Yeah. Is <clears throat> once I like kind of became more open to alternative political perspectives uh-huh. and 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 my like kind of skepticism, I guess you could say, is kind of why yeah. I've decided like the I'm ready for the podcast to occasionally get into these political things and political discussions is because I kind of do kind of keep it abstract and kind of make it more about, you know, figure it out for yourself and like, don't take my political opinions. Cause I don't know, you know what I mean? But what I like find interesting is maybe at least people can agree that these various political perspectives, various political groupings 
we don't even necessarily need to talk about like like their policy ideas all the time. I actually uh-huh. kind of find it interesting the various political groupings, what their critiques are, what they see as problems. It's like for for example, like um, libertarians, uh, where you know they believe that government power is dangerous and you know put in the wrong hands. It's too centralized. And the left makes good critiques and, and socialists make good critiques on capitalism. It creates income inequality and, you know, people, people become kind of cogs in the machine. I kind of, you know, that's something I agree with. And like I'm trying to, now I got to use like a conservative example. Maybe yeah. conservatives have something to say about the need for, for a set of values that people align with and it creates social cohesion or something like that. I don't know. I'm going off the top of my sure, head. Sure. But, and then, yeah. And then kind of like um, the capitalists, for example, I think there yeah. is something to say about maybe there is something good about the markets being efficient, creating innovation in some way. So these yeah. ideas that you can kind of like start picking and choosing in the sense that, okay, what, what do they believe? What are they producing? And why do they think it's going to produce that? And why is that goal good? Um, and kind of that point in the sense that all of a sudden I feel like I became more open to the possi- to various possibilities. And uh-huh. I'm, like I said, not everyone needs to – not everyone's going to do this. But the people that want to have the conversations, that want to start discussing these things, is there some benefit there in that yeah, sense? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean I'm sure there is. Um you know, some, um, you know, some benefit there. And it's, it's not even like, um, and it's not even a matter of everybody needs to sort of, uh, you know, stop having points of view on this stuff. So, you know, so we can appreciate the, uh, you know, like the sort of simplicity, the like, mm-hmm. you know, total openness of, you know, of being yanked around in all these directions. But like, uh, you know, but it's also useful even if you are very committed to, um, you know, particular point of view to at least be able to do the mental exercise, right? You know, that you have like, like, okay, um, you know, why is it that uh, like, you know, if I, you know, like, why is it that people who have this perspective, you know, who, you know, who have this perspective, like, what is the thing that they care about? That's like sort of nudging, you know, mm-hmm. nudging, nudging them in, in this, in this perspective, because if you, um, you know, certainly if, if you're, you know, if you're interested in, um, like, you know, even if you don't particularly think that, you know, the, the truth lies somewhere in between or whatever, which like probably, Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, right? You know, but like, right, exactly. But uh, even if even if that's not like at the top of your your level of interest, even if you're just interested in like, um, you know, in in persuading people, you know, those people who can be persuaded, then it's it's still you're going to be much more effective in doing that if you can at least like temporarily step aside from your perspective and think like, okay, you know, what is it that really makes a libertarian tick or whatever, you know? So like, uh, cause otherwise you're just going to, you know, you're just going to be, um, 
you know, otherwise you're just going to be directing arguments at them that just, that just won't move somebody at all, right. you know, who has that perspective. Cause you know, cause you're just saying that if they, you know, if they really cared about, you know, uh, if, you know, cause you, cause you know what, you know, cause you're just essentially telling them that, you know, if you start out with a left wing, you know, view of the world and you're making left wing assumptions, then, you know, then, then, then here's how left wing conclusions follow from them. And, and they they know that they don't care right you know that's right. Not, you know that's that's uh that's not interesting right whereas if you um if you can um if you know what uh what their assumptions are then you can maybe you know you can maybe think like okay well how can i at least how can i at least aim my pitch at um an area where you know like a starting point that you know that like might actually mean something to them. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, and yeah, and and like the other motivation, I guess, is and, and this is like to kind of conclude the the conversation and steer in this yeah. direction. Um, something I find fascinating with all sides that even even like when they when they they get down to like the issues and stuff like that i find it interesting how many people i find that kind of like justify their political positions based on some and this is where i kind of want your thoughts cuz I, I think i remember reading yeah. this in your book so yeah. this perception of human nature like for example to bring up libertarians again cuz they're kind of like an easy example but like libertarians they believe that human nature people are self-interested right and yeah. that self-interest that you know a, a peer capitalist system free market system um system of property rights that promotes um people's self-interest creates a more efficient system creates more innovation blah 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 you know the list goes on and on right and then yeah. but then i also hear a lot of times like the people on the left use a very similar per- perception of human nature like Oh, humans are self-interested. Therefore, we need to halt uh, capitalism because, you know, it. We don't want a self-interested system that just promotes self-interest, and then people are left on the wayside. And that's when you create income inequality and you create cr- uh, crony capitalism and stuff like that. So, my my question is: is do you think that sometimes people rely too much? This is like the concluding uh, question. Do you think people sure. rely on human nature too much to justify their positions? And because I, the reason I bring that up is because although we're constantly finding stuff out about human nature, um, yeah. science has given us evidence and all that. I think at the end of the day, especially it's like kind of like it. I don't, I don't know if this is like a right example to use. It's not like the is out problem, but it's like people people are trying to take what what is what we know about human nature, what science is telling us about human nature. And then people try to extract (laughs) a lot of various like values from that about human nature that, Oh, therefore my political positions are right. Because look at, look at this, this is what human nature is when really human nature from what I think what we know about it, it's very moldable, changeable. People can, can kind of alter their, their um, sense of like what human nature is. It's a very, my point is it's very culturally influenced and I think people discount that. So kind of what are your thoughts on that and its relation to politics just because they're constantly connected? Yeah. Uh, so 
the okay, I think that uh, the idea that um, that human nature, you know, is very self-interested, um, you know, therefore, uh, you know, therefore capitalism, you know, is, is, is good, uh, has always, has always, you know, sort of, um, struck me very oddly. Uh, and, um, and I've often been very frustrated with what seems to be the, very common kind of socialist response to that, uh, which, um, which is just to sort of say, well, a lot of the things you were saying at the end of your answer, right. You know, human nature is malleable, right. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it changes based on circumstances, uh, all of which I'm sure is true, right. Like, uh, or, you know, whatever it's, it's, you know, definitely true, you know, to a point, right. That they, uh, and, um, and if you're sort of obviously if, if you're having, you know, one of the frustrating things about this debate is that like, um, it's very hard, you know, if you're relating human, you know, to talk discussions about human nature to discussions about politics, it's, it's very hard for that not to like really like flatten out right. what you're saying about the first part. Cause like, and you, you know, and like, there's nothing like, sort of you know because like obviously anything that's like a a view about like what humans are like um that you could fit into a sentence is going to be like a weird oversimplification right you know that's uh yeah agreed you know so um you know that obviously uh you know that we can say various things that we know being about you know, based on psychology and, you know, neuroscience and, you know, whatever about how, you know, how people tend to act in various circumstances that are, you know, uh, that like, that like superficially conform to like different, like kind of really simplified views you could have about it. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I guess the, uh, I mean, one, if you, if you were going to do the one sentence thing, you know, uh, I guess I'd go with, uh, you know, dip back into Hume one more time at the end of the conversation, you know, and he's got this great, um, he's got this great essay, uh, called on the immortality of the soul, uh, which, um, uh, is, um, is not one of the more like commented on, uh, essays, but it's really good. And, uh, one of the things, one of his objections in that essay to the idea of heaven and hell is pretty much uh, if you ever watched the TV show The Good Place, uh, is uh, in the uh, the first uh, uh, first season of it, especially the main character, you know, Christabel's character is constantly saying, "Why isn't there a medium place?" Right, and this right. is and this is basically and you know, Hugh, Hugh, one of the points Hugh makes there, right? He says, "If you were gonna." Uh, go around the world trying to separate the righteous from the wicked, so you could give the right the um, righteous a good supper, the wicked a good beating. Then you uh, that it'd be um, really difficult to figure out who is who. He said the more you the more you learn about people, the harder it would be to classify them. He says most of us float most of us float between vice and virtue. Um, so so I mean like most of us float between vice and virtue is like probably like the most reasonable thing you can say in one sentence about human nature, but, uh, sort of take it 
a step to the side from like what's actually true about human nature and thinking about like, okay, let's ask a slightly different question, which is to the extent that you're worried about uh, the cruel and selfish aspects of human nature, right? right? Uh, what, what should follow from that politically? Right? Uh, like what, like what, what sort of political consequences, you know, come out of that. And this is where I get really frustrated because, uh, you know, cause there's, I think a, a sort of long tradition of, of, um, of, of socialists kind of taking the bait on this and sort of assuming that what they have to argue is that human nature isn't so bad. Right. You know, right, so right. it's like, it's like, Oh, uh, no, 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 it's okay. Right. You know, it's, uh, you know, we don't have to have this really selfish system like capitalism because, you know, just, you know, humans can be kind and, you know, generous and cooperative. Um, but I think actually a more interesting and plausible response is to say, I mean, not that it's not true that, you know, sure. I mean, like, yeah, to some extent under some circumstances, we're kind and cooperative to some extent under some circumstances, we're selfish jerks, right? Like right. it's, it's all incredibly complicated, but to the extent that you worry about us being selfish jerks, that actually strikes me, uh, not as a reason to, um, to think that the economic status quo is fine, but you know, as a reason to think it's not fine. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that like if, if you have, um, that, you know, that, it, uh, under capitalism, you know, um, the, the most people have very little realistic choice except for to go to work for those people who, who do through whatever combination of skill and luck and circumstances, right. You know, have mm -hmm. the capacity to own their own businesses and, um, people, uh, and, um, uh, and that's a massive amount of power that that gives some people over others. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that, um, I mean, there's a, uh, you know, think, I mean, that's, this is, uh, once if somebody holds your livelihood in their hands, right. You know, they, they have a tremendous amount of power over you. And so that strikes me as, I mean, of course, it's not a reason to reject capitalism in favor of like, you know, Soviet style, one party, you know, state socialism, because they're right. the same problem, right. You know, mm -hmm. they like, it's also very hierarchical, but like that seems like it gives us a good reason to try to have a much, much uh, more egalitarian and less hierarchical uh, economic system because to the extent that you worry about that, we can argue about what extent that should be, but to the extent that you worry about that, uh, then that that strikes me as, as a good reason not to trust people with the amount of one-sided power they have over another, you know, in those kinds of systems. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I basically agree with that. It's just, I always found it interesting how quickly people want to like oversimplify it with just their stance on human nature. And I don't know, that's why I want to at least bring it up to uh, conclude, but yeah, I think, I think that's a good kind of end point to the conversation. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to end the recording here. All right. Awesome.